Hello, this is Yaro Starak, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Navid Moazes. Hi there, this is Yaro. In a moment, you'll hear from Navid, who's going to explain his entire entrepreneur's story, including how he became an expert at virtual summits, which are kind of like combining the power of podcasting with product launches, where you can rapidly build your email list and also potentially make tens of thousands to even hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales of your information products from just doing one virtual summit. So Navid will reveal how to do that in a moment. First of all, I'd like to invite you to join my email newsletter for this EJ podcast to make sure you get all the latest episodes when they're first released and also a series of my very best interviews from my podcast archives. You can subscribe to that for free by going to interviewsclub.com where you'll then be redirected to the blog post that has the sign-up form to join the email newsletter. Once again, that's interviewsclub.com. Now here is the interview with Navid. Hello, this is Yaro, and thank you for joining me for today's interview. My guest today is someone I actually got to spend some time with recently, uh, living in a bit of a, a house full of internet marketers, really, uh, in San Diego. And it was brought together by Natalie Sisson, you might know from one of my previous episodes, the suitcase entrepreneur. And Natalie had a bunch of her buddies come and stay with her in this house, and I was there. And one of the other people visiting was Navid Moazes, who I actually got in touch with, though, prior to meeting him in person when he interviewed me for his branding summit. Now, Navid has been on a bit of a, a trailblaze um, on, on internet marketing circles. Uh, I've, I've constantly read his updates on Facebook talking about uh, living on tropical islands, making $40,000 a month. He's really big on you know, lifestyle and travel. But I've also very closely watched Navid because it's been interesting to see him sort of narrow in on his niche. And he's become an expert now on running a virtual summit. So that's what his focus is is currently, that's what he's getting some great results for himself as well as some clients. So we're going to dive into virtual summits and how to run them during this interview. But of course, we're also going to find out how Navid left uh, his job and, and got involved in internet marketing because it's, it's still pretty new for you. So Navid, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much, Yaro. And, you know, just, you know, side note, you know, Entrepreneur's Journey was one of the first podcasts, you know, I tuned into in the early days, you know, before I even got into all this, you know, together with Internet Business Mastery and, you know, Smart Passive Income. So it's a pleasure being on your show. Oh, thank you. I know you've had this goal of getting on all your favorite shows, and I think I was in that list. So you've, yep. you're doing a good job. Uh, Navid is one of the best people I've seen at networking, I think, too. He really... Uh, knows how to use uh, social media and so on to connect with people. So, But lots of things to cover. Let's start with the obvious thing. Uh, I, I was, remember, very confused about this, Naveed. So you've got this name, Naveed Moazes. You look mm -hmm. kind of Persian, maybe South American. I'm not sure. Then you hear you're actually born and raised in Sweden, right? Yes. And, so you know, how, how does this all work? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, here even I, I live now in Cancun and even here people, you know, they, you know, they start speaking Spanish to me and I'm like, I'm not, you know, fluent or anything yet in the Spanish language. So they even treat me as a South American here. But yeah, I'm, I, my dad is from Iran. So that, that's what I got. So Persian, you're great, great observation there. My mom is Swedish. So I, I was born and raised in Sweden, you know, I spent, you know, the last, you know, years in Stockholm, you know, in law school and all that we can get into. So, Navid Moazes, that name would be Iranian Persian, right? Yeah, and the meaning of it, you know, is actually, I think my mom or dad told me it means positive message. That, that's the meaning of Navid. Okay, which to me seems about as far away from Sweden and that culture as you can think of. So you must have had an interesting upbringing, uh, you know, growing up in, in Sweden. You probably didn't look like everyone else there, I'm assuming, right? Or are there a lot of Persians in, in Sweden? Yeah, there's a lot of actually, okay. a lot of foreigners in Sweden. So I, I, maybe growing up, you can feel it sometimes, you know, with, you know, you know, maybe you're different or, you know, but I, 
I think later on, I it's like it was an advantage. I, I saw it as an advantage. You know, I also have, you know, a very unique last name. It's obviously great when you start a start a website. I didn't think that in the beginning, but now I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I have a unique name. I rank in the, you know, if you type in Navid or Navid Moises in Google, I, I show up there. You, you, yeah, you have, uh, you're doing my trick, the weird name and the long hair. That's how I got started as well. So. Yeah, but the, the interesting thing with Navid, I am actually have had a goal for the longest time to rank number one in Google for Navid. And I, I'm, I'm pretty close and I'm not exactly sure where I'm ranking now, but I, I hope I will get up there pretty soon. For Navid Moises, obviously, I'm, yeah. I'm, all on, I'm on all pages. Oh. Okay, so growing up in Sweden, uh, were, was there any sort of entrepreneurial influences on you or did you have the the corporate career path put in front of you? No, not not at all. Like my dad is a doctor and he the only thing I got, you know, in the early days, you know, growing up, you know, I had a, you know, I played a lot of sports. So I was always competitive and he my dad always got me to study a lot growing up. So maybe uh, I only had this path of, yeah, you, you got to go to dental school, medical school, law school, maybe become an engineer. So it was not that many options. Like I was going to go through this, you know, traditional path. So it was not really any entrepreneurial things going on there, even though my dad right now is actually, you know, running his own practice, but it's very far from what we are doing here with the lifestyle kind of business. Mm -hmm. So did you actually go to school to become one of those things or did you not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so after, you know, I spent spent one year in high school in the U.S., you know, I had a really good time and, uh, you know, I got even a high school diploma from the U.S. And then I came back to Sweden, finished up my high school and I didn't know what to do. I was around 20, 20 years old at the time and then I was like, okay, I got accepted to one of the top law schools in Sweden. So I moved uh, from my hometown, you know, to Stockholm and I just started there and it felt good at the time, but... You know, as we all know, a few years later, it was not really as good as I thought it would be. Did you finish? I didn't finish. And, you know, you can get into how I, you know, how I came to the conclusion to drop out. But I eventually, you know, after I got into a lot of personal development, you know, read, you know, stumbled upon the four-hour work week, how to win friends and influence people. And then also I read the Think and Grow Rich. I was like, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to be chained to a desk my entire life. It was not for me, I think I had, even in the early days, you know, my life, I wanted to do something extraordinary, but I was trapped in this conventional living. And then I just didn't know how to get out of there. But I, fortunately, I met some great people on some travels to London and the US. So I saw it was possible. I just didn't know how to, you know, pursue my dream at the time. Who were these people you met? And there was like some, you know, I mean, at first I, I met some people in London. They were kind of into the dating scene. So I was like, oh, I can't, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to improve on all areas of my life. So I started more personal development and I met some people there at some conferences, more like personal development style. And also some people running these kind of affiliate marketing businesses, you know, I am paid traffic. They had some e-commerce stores. I didn't ask them questions. I just saw what kind of lifestyle they had. You know, some guys, they stayed in five-star hotels. You know, they're, you know, 360, 365 days a year. They stayed in five-star hotels. I was like, how can they do that? That's wow. like super expensive. But, you know, they use points and all these things you can do. And I was like, this is really cool. But I need to start, you know, Studying this, I didn't have any experience in online marketing or starting a business. So I started, you know, reading the books, as I said. And then the people I met, I, I got into more and more the scene in 2012 when I got a mentor in the summer there. And I found him actually on the Warrior Forum, interestingly. But I, I, he was really cool because I, he was not so many steps ahead of me. So I was like, I could relate to him. He was living in Colombia. He still lives there. And uh, yeah, I, I got into this in the terms of the mindset more. I didn't really start anything in 2012. I procrastinated a ton. So Okay, so can I put this into perspective? You're still enrolled in law school in Sweden, Copenhagen, yeah. but you've gone... Uh, Stockholm. Stockholm, sorry. Um, and you, you've had your eyes open to this possible alternative lifestyle that these guys were doing from affiliate marketing and online business. Yeah. Then you've gone to the Warrior Forum, which a lot of people, I think, get, get some sort of start there because it's, it's popular and it's a lot of newbies there. You find a, 
a mentor there. Now, were you, did you hire him to coach you to do something? Was that the plan then? Thinking also, but you're still studying to be a lawyer? Like, how did, how did your mindset work at that point? <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, honestly, you know, probably I took my last class in law school around the 2010 or 2011. So, I mean, I still went kind of, I thought in the, my mind that I was still going there. I was like kind of, you know, not telling the truth to my dad. I was like, I was not very good at this. I I tried to do many different things. I took breaks to go travel. And, you know, in 2010, that's when I went to, you know, London, some conferences and, and stuff like that. But I was, you know, too afraid to start anything in terms of business. That came in 2012 when I met this mentor. And I did pay for him. It was not expensive, just a few hundred dollars. And it was more like in terms of clarity. And we talked a lot about the things I'm doing now, actually. Can I interview people? <laughs> Can I, you know, you know, I was going to start uh, NavidMoases.com already in, you know, September of 2012, but I didn't do that until, you know, mid-June 2013. So it was like, it took, took some time for me to find, you know, all the answers maybe within myself. And, you know, there's also a big turning point in my life, you know, a little bit later. But, uh, you know, that was when my younger brother passed away and that was in mid uh, no, it was in April 2013, and that was just de devastating because I'd be talking to my parents, my friends on the social media, all these things that I would start something. I just like you know spent a lot of money. It seemed you know to uh, you know hire a designer on Elance, and you know didn't work out. So I was gonna start a fitness blog, and I didn't do that. And then this horrible moment happened. I was like crushed. But I think that I had a dream to do something better. I. I pushed forward and then I decided to just go for it and launch, you know, even though I was far from ready for it, I didn't have the experience, the expertise, but I decided to start by, you know, interviewing experts. And that was how I reached out to Pat Flynn, looked for an opportunity and I launched finally. And I still had, I still didn't officially drop out of law school at this time, by the way. Okay. So I, I can see that, the, so the mentoring was kind of like twofold, trying to just figure out exactly how internet marketing works in general, but also trying to figure out where you will fit in terms of what, what niche you will go into, right? Like the, the classic challenge, what topic do I start a business about? So you were trying to work on that with your mentor and find your, your place. Is that right? Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, we talked about, I mean, I probably changed my mind every single week, you know, should I go into personal development? You know, should I go on online business? It seems like very profitable, you know, blogging and, you know, but I was not very comfortable with what I was going to do. I had never, I might, obviously I'm not a native English speaker, so that was also a little barrier for me in the beginning. I've never written anything and published online before, and you know how can I get into this whole, you know, you know, blogging space, online business space? But finally, you know, it it came together, and that was this, you know, adversity I faced, and I managed to turn that into something better, and later, you know, into also success. But it, I think that was a pivotal moment for sure when my brother brother passed away it just enabled me to work even harder on things you know yeah. sometimes you know i had my part-time job at a bank you know and then i came home in the night or in the evening and i just continued working sometimes for you know 15 hour days was not you know anything <laughs> no original for me okay so I'm glad you said you worked a part-time job i was beginning to wonder how you were making money were you living with your parents still then and, no, and, and, I didn't live. I I actually lived by myself since I, I when I moved to Stockholm, pretty much. Right. I I stayed in an apartment in Stockholm. It was actually my dad's apartment, but I lived there by myself. And also had some tours where I moved to a student place. You know, just I wanted this experience a little bit and so on. So, but I over, overall by myself, and I paid the rent and all this stuff. Right. And your parents thought you were still doing law school subjects where you're actually playing around with the internet at night and working at a bank during the day was that kind of and my mom, they, well my mom they they, they know, knew i had a job at the bank they were proud of that because they thought this is a good experience you know because it's you know it's making money it gets you know something great on this on the cv and all this stuff so they they thought it was good but i mostly it was to my dad because he had a very high expectations on me you know and i you know i, I have on myself too but i i was not very passionate about this whole law school thing or doing what everybody else would tell, tell me to do. So I got into this space and he, he was not very happy about that. My mom would always support me if I, you know, managed to support, you know, take care of myself basically. And now she can see that. And even my dad can see that, you know, but it's, he still doesn't really know what I do. Mm. Okay. 
you know, thinking back, you, you said your your brother passed away. Was it March? No, April two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, I'm actually thinking that's. I think that's my mother passed away in March two thousand and thirteen. So I think very close in timing there. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, when that happened, because it was a bit sudden. I know my mother was in hospital for two years, so there was a lot of. I guess, time to repair for something like that. Now, when your brother passed away, was it unexpected? Very, very unexpected. You know, I had just uh, came back from, uh, you know, a really good trip to the U.S., hanging out with some of my friends in Florida. And uh, then I came back, you know, it was like maybe a week or two later, and I get this phone call from my mom that suddenly my brother, you know, he's a, my younger brother is not with us anymore. He just passed away 22 years old. And I was like, wow, I just kept walking around my apartment. I didn't know really what to do. I've been talking so long, you know, as I said about starting something. Mm. And it just, I just realized, you know, life is super precious. I, now is the time to take action. And it actually got me to work even harder. Some people, they would probably take time off after something like this. But I, Obviously, I you know went you know went home to you know see my parents all this stuff. But I, I then after that I kept just working harder. You know I worked more hours also in my part-time job to get more money, and then I finally started something. I just started. Right. Okay. So going forward, then you you finally found at least like you said you decided to do a launch, and um, it's funny when you say that most people when they do a launch, they, they already have been in business for a while, they've you know, built their list, they've come to a marketplace. By the sounds of things, you really didn't have anything yet. You were going to go straight out there and kind of launch a business at the same time. So what, what was the plan there, yeah. Navid? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question also, Arrow. Um, uh, that's actually, I followed uh, Sean, Sean Ogle of you know, Location 180. I, I really was inspired by that because when he was like in a similar position to me, like he had like a job, maybe it was like more, probably making a lot more money than me in his job. But anyway, he just started blogging about his entrepreneurial journey and his blog managed to take off, it was slow growth, but he you know, took off and people really resonated with that because they could, you know, see themselves in his shoes. And I thought, oh, I probably have something to share. I'm not like everyone else. I have, I'm from Sweden. There's not that many people doing this from other countries. I've seen, you know, Australia, you know, the UK, United States, Canada, all this, but I haven't seen so many people doing it from Sweden. So I thought maybe some people could get inspired by my story. And I just started sharing my experiences in terms of, you know, interview, I started interviewing people just for my website. And, you know, I, when Pat Flynn was looking for someone to interview for his, you know, book, Let Go, I just reached out to him and he said yes. And I published this on my blog. And that was the first thing uh, I ever did online. Which, which was like just a, a, an entrepreneurial journey blog, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I mean, yeah, it was not, I didn't have a plan to, like, I, I knew if I, if I keep putting out great, great content, it would, I had a chance that it would take off, but I had my doubts, man. Like, mm. I didn't know, like, what, what would happen, but I, I still had this. I'm going to keep moving forward, uh, you know, no matter what. This is going to work somehow. I'm going to find my way to get there, you know, and that's, that's probably what made, made me not give up, even though I was not getting a lot of traffic, traction, you know, all this stuff. But I built a relationship, authentic, powerful relationship with people, you know, by just adding value to their lives. And I think that's something I've done extremely well from the very beginning. And that's why I'm here today. You know, I, I've often been asked by a lot of my blogging students, uh, can I just start a journey blog and chronicle the process I go through uh, often with the, the process to make money? So can I chronicle my entrepreneurial journey? Because my blog's called Entrepreneur's Journey, and then that's how my blog started too. They they often think that that's a pathway, and they see a lot of other people having had done the same thing and succeed. But I often say to them, well, I always say to them, you you need to either have one of two things, some sort of track record already achieved, which is what I had with my blog when I started. I, I already spent seven years running two other businesses, so I was writing about that. It gave me subject matter. Or you have to be a very good experimenter doing lots of things in order to have content to tell your journey on this blog. So I'm assuming you're more of the latter. You were sort of talking about what you were doing on this new blog. 
what actually were you doing? Because you must like to come up with content. You must have been doing experiments, trying to, I don't know, affiliate marketing, eBay. Most people have something they're playing with and they're writing about that on the blog. Yeah, my, my, my philosophy in the beginning, you know, I've been following some people. I joined some, you know, online communities, all that to meet, you know, people on a similar level, to, you know, to me. And so I can, you know, make friends. I didn't have any people close to me in, in Sweden. But in terms of my blog, I was just, I didn't have this uh, too much experimenting. Like I, I know someone right now is doing this extremely well is, you know, Brian Harris of Video Fruit. That's kind of how he started with a lot of experiments on his blog and he got a great following there. I didn't do any of these kind of experience, but I ran, ran tests or stuff like that. I just actually started with interviewing people and I, it can work for some people, but I, it's not the way I recommend my students now in my program or anything like that to do it because it's like, could, can be a hit and miss. I was a, l a little bit lucky. I put in the work so people cannot take that from me, but it's also a little bit luck involved in getting something like this take, you know, really take off. It's like starting a podcast about just interviewing entrepreneurs uh, seven days a week, like John Lee Dumas. It's probably not the best, you know, business model today to do that again, unless mm. you have some really great hook or doing it in a different niche. So I probably wouldn't, <laughs> do, I would start the same way myself, like with a, if I would do it again, I would start probably with a summit or something like that, but I wouldn't just document my journey in this way I did because it can take a very long time also to do right. that. Okay, so what you registered navidmoazes.com, you start the blog, then you decide to start interviewing entrepreneurs about their businesses, I assume, which is good for your learning, but it also, you know, it's a common thing people start podcasts sure. about. So what... What was the breakthrough? What actually took off? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I did. I did a few interviews. Then I did like a blog challenge. Uh, actually, I took you know your past guest Natalie Sisson's thirty-day blog challenge, I believe, in October two thousand thirteen. Because before that, I'd basically just published a lot. I've interviewed some people for my website, and you know, I I, I used to transcribe that, and then I published some kind of blog post where I wrote this up. So it was good for my you know, writing abilities and getting more comfortable in, you know, writing for the web. And then I took this blog challenge. So I started writing, you know, even more. I wrote like 48,000 words in 20 days or something like that, where I just published a ton of content and just people started to follow me more and they got more interested in what I was doing. And how did they find that, you, Navid? Like what, it, what, I, so I always find it funny people say, people got interested in what I was doing. How? <laughs> okay, that's good. That's, okay, so I did, I was interested in starting a podcast. Uh, so, and I've seen John Lee Dumas, I've seen your, your podcast and many people were doing it. So I was like, okay, podcast seemed to be a great thing. So I, I decided on the idea to start the Lifestyle Architects. So I did like one of these so-called roundup posts for my website. That was kind of the first post that went a little bit viral for me with, you know, 100 plus comments and hundreds of shares. And, you know, I listed basically, it was very simple. I listed my favorite podcasts in this blog post and and then reached out to them. And then many of them also promoted it on social media and so on. So I got a little, some people there, but honestly, you know, you talk about like building your email list. I didn't do any of these things well. So I didn't have much of a following. Maybe at the end of 2013, I had like 100 or, you know, at the most 200 people on my list, not more than that, because I was not focusing on this really, you know, seriously in the you know, first six, seven months. It was when I, decided to you know up my game a little bit i did a redesign or you know completely revamp my site to look more professional in the beginning i just had a wordpress theme you know and that's why it's a great way to get started but i wanted to look like i've been in the game for a little bit longer so i i did my did my design and got very interested in personal branding you know it was kind of this thing i, I was just very interested in it but i didn't really i i probably wasn't like an expert on the topic i just positioned myself, wrote some content, reached out to some people. And then actually I got some clients after I did my redesign. So it kind of worked out great. A few thousand dollars came in there in the beginning of 2014. Clients to do their, their website designs? Yeah, some of the website design, I just referred them to my designer and I got like a little commission for, for that. And honestly, I didn't have a lot of money. I, I just actually dropped out of law school there. So I got the guts to do that at the end of 2013. So I just kept working my part-time job and got some clients. It was not much. I, I probably, I charged like 
$100 per hour or something like that. In the beginning, I just help people, you know, with some WordPress setup or maybe helping them a little bit here and there, you know, for free and, you know, just providing value to people. But that was in January, I got my first little bit coaching experience. Some people hired me to help them out, but it was not super specific. It was like this broad thing of helping them with their brand and, and all this. I, I, I've done pretty well, but I was not successful by any means. I was not making a full-time income, but people still... Uh, looked up to me a little bit and I was a few steps ahead of them so I could help them you know I could yeah. provide value to them it's interesting hearing you talk about this uh, the interview two interviews ago before you Jessica Nazarali she similarly had this experience where she basically just did a good job with her own blog which is what you did you, you did a redesign you made it more professional and then as people started to discover you, because of that good first impression, same thing with Jessica, because she made this great impression, people said, well, I want to make an impression the same way Navid does or Jessica does, so I wonder if they can help me build my website. Sure. And it's not like you expected to become a web designer or something like that, no, but <laughs> it's, it's just, and at your stage, you're like, you know what, I'll, I'll do it because A, it's some cash flow, and B, it's, it's learning about what customers want. It leads to more possible opportunities, so you're not going to say no at that stage. So can you take us through then how all that type of experience eventually turned it into, I think, when you said you did your first proper launch, but that was with your branding summit, right? Was that your first big launch? Yeah, that's actually interesting because I was part of some communities, you know, first with, you know, John Lee Dumas, he had like a community and I was also part of like initially with, you know, Lewis House and they kind of pushed uh, pushed us in there to put something out there. And that was maybe good, can be good and bad because I didn't have a big audience. <laughs> I was like going to go out there, create like this, you know, a, run a, like a webinar and then have a, like a live so-called bootcamp style, you know, training over maybe a few days or a couple of weeks. And uh, I did that. I ran a webinar in January 2014. After I did the redesign and invested a little bit in my business, even though I didn't have any big income, I still decided that this would be worth it long term. And it turned out to be so. But I did this webinar and I got like one or a couple of sales for this. So some some sales came in and I ran, you know, a little training for them. It was just very intimate, you know. What, what was the webinar about? It was about like how to build, I think it was like something like how to build your authority and personal brand online or something like this. Right. But I didn't really have that much credibility yet. So it was not like I got a ton of people on there and some people probably felt like, why should they listen to me or mm. something like this? But I still had some heart fans, you know, very, <laughs> very small audience at the time, but they... They signed up for, you know, the webinar. I've got like maybe 60, 70 people on there, you know, from because I had a very tight community and they followed me from social media. Some were maybe my friends and they they joined on the webinar and I got a I got like a few sales there and it was like it was pretty cool. It was not like anything massive, but I sold it for I think I sold it for like 197 or something like that. And that was my first small. But it was I didn't continue it because I wanted to focus on growing my audience first before I did more things like this because I didn't have money to invest in Facebook ads to grow my audience and stuff like that. So okay. it was more important for me to, first I launched my podcast and that was came after this you know experience of trying to launch something <laughs> way before I was ready. It does sound to me, I remember thinking the first time I was in touch with you, uh, Navid, and I, I have this experience a lot with, with new people. They often have what I call like a fuzzy topic for their business. It's fuzzy because the, the, they don't have any specific kind of target market. It's like I'm a branding expert or I'm a social media expert or I'm a you know, positioning expert. And, and it's, it, it, it might be a situation where they're, they're moving towards something more specific, but just because of the stage of their business, they, just, they haven't had enough experience with customers yet to really narrow in on, on what they're they're good at and what they want to focus on and have a clearer message when they talk about themselves as well. And you're a great example of someone who I've seen go from no subject to a fuzzy, I'm a branding kind of web design guy to virtual summits now. And you're getting even more refined with, you know, I'm a virtual summit expert, of which I can't think of anyone else out there. So, you, you know, you've got, which is great. You've gone after yeah. a, a fairly new market and you can potentially own it. So, Let's, um, let's keep going forward. So you've done a webinar. So you've got your blog. You've got your Lifestyle Architects podcast. You've, you're in Lewis's House uh, membership site. You're in John Lee Dumas. So you're getting a lot of coaching. You're paying for it. So you're really investing in yourself. 
Um, they're telling you to, to create products and do webinars and do launches. So you're, you're playing with that. You're not getting a huge financial breakthrough, but you're starting to sell some of your own products. Now, there's a lot of steps we're kind of going over the, the top of here. Like I haven't even asked you, did you any hire people? Because you're setting up webinars, you're setting up mm-hmm. pretty websites, you're right. selling a product, which I assume had to have some sort of shopping cart and delivery mm-hmm. mechanism. So at yeah. this stage, what did you and your team look like? How was all this coming yeah. together? Yeah. So I in the in the very beginning I had the like nothing. It was just myself, WordPress and Studio Press themes. I used that. Then I hired my designer. It was like the first I had used some contractors, you know, from Elance and maybe Fiverr, stuff like that. I've used that before. And also my good friend Jan, you know, from you know, from he was he's the founder of the WP Summit. I always always you know, he always helps helps me out. You know, I met him in Internet Business Mastery actually and he helps me out with WordPress issues and stuff like that because we started at the same time. But my team was just this designer, basically. That's the only person I was paying for, pretty much. And uh, like on a, on a, you know, every time I had had something to create, he came, you know, per per task basis, pretty much. I hired him. Okay. And then I set up the shopping cart was with you know just PayPal. I used the lead pages for. For the you know for having you know, embedding the Google Hangouts, that's what I use for my webinars. I use Google Hangouts, just embedded that on a lead page. Very simple, and everything was on that pretty much right. for for selling the product. And then I ran my program on. I believe I just had a few students. I think I I combined it with like Google Hangouts or even Skype calls or something like that. And I had some training for them, stuff like that. But it was nothing major so it was not anything special to run everything <laughs> you know like not not anything fancy i didn't have a membership like wish list you know which i use now for for my membership sites it was nothing like that right a weber or, or mailchimp oh or? yeah right yeah autoresponder i used the a weber at the time now i'm on infusionsoft i just upgraded a few months ago okay so let's go forward How, when's the next big breakthrough yeah the next big thing i did was when i uh, you know, I, I launched my podcast, The Lifestyle Architects, in April 2000, 2014, and I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to take my business to the next level. I've been seeing so many other people doing it, and it was really, really good, you know, for my relationship building. It took that to the next level. I got, you know, free mentorship, you know, speaking to some amazing people. You know, you've been on there you know, speaking about information products and I had Chris Brogan. I even interviewed one of my heroes, Robert Greene. And it, it was just amazing with the terms of people I could get on there and people loved it. And I also did something very interesting to, you know, build my, you know, build, you know, more deeper relationship, but not only my audience, but also with the people I was interviewing. I created this kind of epic guides based on the interviews and they took me a ton of time, like 20, 30 hours. And I used those like as so-called content upgrades and people could, uh, you know, get get them when they signed up there, but also publish them just on my blog post. But they could get the PDF when when they just click this content upgrade. And I built my list a little bit more with that, actually, mm. from well, my podcast. How did you write them? Did you just listen back to your interview and, <laughs> and write out all the all the best yeah. information? Yeah, sometimes I did actually, and sometimes I had a, had a transcriber who first transcribed it, and then I did it all myself. I didn't have you know the money to invest in someone to you know a copywriter to write up something like this for me. So I did all that myself. Sometimes, as I said, transcription can help because then you can just go back and go to the most important parts. Because you, I, the, the the most important thing here for writing really great guides is not like just put posting the transcription. It's not gonna work. Uh, you know you need to go in there and write it as a you know mm. as a case study or you know you know as a summary of their work or something like that. That's what I did for for example I did for Cal Newport, you know, the author of So Good, They Can't Ignore You. And he got back to me when I, I sent him that. He was like, this is one of the best summaries of my work I've ever seen. So you can just imagine if I reach out to him in the future, if I want to interview him for another summit or something like that, he will be more open to it because he's seen the quality of my work already. So a lot of influencers, I think, they started to see that I was someone to count on. And uh, yeah, that, that, was, that, that was the big benefit of doing my podcast, but it didn't generate a lot of cash flow in my business. Mm. I was still like in my job, working part time, 
trying to make it happen. Got a few more, you know, coaching clients here and there, but it was not like a stable income. Some month, maybe thousand dollars, some month a little bit more, but it was not it was not a stable business at that point. Mm. Well, let's keep going forward. I, I do want to ask you more about interviews, but I think it'll connect well with your summit. Sure. So when did the summit start? It started in November 2000, uh, 2014, ran you know, throughout the month. I actually had 88 uh, speakers on there, which went just overboard. But the initial idea came in June 2014. That was when I got this aha moment. Aha, I see some people in the health niche, they are doing these summits. And in some cases, they are like six to seven figures. They're growing their list and they're not creating the content themselves. They're interviewing people. You still need, you know, solid interviews, inter- interview skills to be able to pull out the best information so you get actionable content from them. But you don't have to, you know, sit there, record, you know, a full program. You can just interview people. And I was very fascinated about this because it's a very similar model to what I was already doing. But in, rather than a podcast or a blog, you know, blog can make money, but if you're just blogging without a purpose or doing podcasts, you're not going to get there. But a summit is a business model. I, that's what I loved about it, and that's where I decided to pursue this, even though I had no idea how to put one together. I just you know, invested time into learning. What is a virtual summit, Navid? Right. I can, yeah, let's, let's, let's get to that. So essentially, a virtual summit is when you, there's like an online conference. There's many names for it. Online event, online conference, tele-summit. And you interview, like, I've seen anywhere from 10 experts to, like, I had 88. I don't recommend it. But 10 to 50 experts in in your niche. And then you feature them on, on this summit. And the summit can be live or pre-recorded. Uh, I've done pre-recorded ones. You know, Marissa Murgatroyd, she does her superhero summits. They are live. They're, maybe if you have a team, that could be a great option. And then you either have it. I have done only free summits, like list building summits on the front end. I want people to, when they go to this landing page, let's say the brandingsummit.com or the sellpublishingsuccesssummit.com, my most recent one I helped out with, they go there, they register for the free part of the summit, but on the next page, that's kind of the funnel, you know, they go to the thank you page and then, and then they can also purchase a summit all access pass, which is consists of the recordings, obviously, you know, in a membership site, but it also gets some uh, exclusive bonuses as an irresistible offer. And that gets people to take action and purchase it as well. You know, right from signing up, they can do that. And some people who are, who are on the edge, they can, you know, watch the summit for free for 24 to 48 hours when it starts and, you know, then purchase it if they, if they, if they wish. So if you do 50 interviews with people and then you're going to release this as a, a virtual summit, logistically, how does 50 interviews, it's not going to get released in two days. It's, this has to be like over mm-hmm. po- possibly two weeks. Is that how yeah. it works? So you just could have, you release two or three interviews a day or broadcast them two or three a day. Is that kind of how, yeah. and it's all, all, it's obviously all one theme. So if I see a sign-up form for a virtual summit, I sign up, then I'm going to get an email telling me that this person's coming up next and this person's coming up next. And that's, that's how it works, right? That's how you deliver it. And I, I would say like from, from seven days to like 15, 16 days is a good length. But the main thing here is like you need to plan the summit so you, overwhel- you know, avoid overwhelm and all this. And I think... In terms of what we did really well for my most last one with the self-publishing success summit, we had it in three phases. So it's like an online course, pretty much. They can go through this process and then you get some really great results if they just follow through. For example, the first phase was writing. The second phase was marketing, publishing. And then the third phase was uh, monetizing. So as you see, it's like a little bit like modules for an online course. I didn't really do that for the branding summit, even though I still thought out, you know, how I wanted it to be because I had so many interviews. It was just very, very hard and stressful for me to do all this by myself. But I improved, obviously, my process over time. Mm. And that's how we came up with this. It was uh, 11 days, the Self-Publishing Success Summit. And we had, I believe, like 47 interviews and then like a closing keynote or something like that. And it worked great. Let's go back to the the Branding Summit because that's your first sort of big success here. So you you had this aha moment. You said, I know. I've been watching Mm -hmm. all these health experts do their summits and making a lot of money. I'm going to do my own summit. I already know how to interview people, so I'm going to schedule 
as you said, 88 interviews. So you'll, you'll pre-record them all, and then you'll run a branding summit. And just to clarify, because I know a lot of the listeners will be going, wait a sec, how does this work to A, grow my business, B, make money? Mm-hmm. When you do this sort of summit, the idea is that the people you interview, some of them will actually promote the summit as well, sending people to your email opt-in to get the summit. Plus, you have, like you said before, an option to upgrade to some sort of better access to the summit or some sort of extra training, something like that. So that's what you can sell as an upsell, as an offer during the summit and after the summit. So that's how you make the money from it, right? So is that kind of a summary of how the branding summit first worked? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great summary. And, uh, you know, as you said, you, the main thing we have seen, you know, for not only my first summit, but for my students and then for, you know, the last one, which turned into a really massive, we can get in massive summit. We can get into this later. But I think it's like the speakers, they promote it. And if you have a network of other people, they can share it out. And that's how you can grow. Uh, grow your email list and by thousands of people or even tens of thousands of people if you're doing a big summit. And uh, it's really it's really about the relationships. If you have great relationships, they will promote a free event because it's a lot of value to share to their audience. It's not paid. They can watch everything for free. But on the as you said, the upsell of this is that they go to this thank you page and in instantly after signing up they get on this page and they you know thank you for registering for the summit you know here's you know whitelist your email and then they have this offer already there and a lot of people make the mistakes i've seen a lot of summits lately they don't have an offer on the next page i think it it you can make a ton of sales if you do it this way right away you know it's a natural progression you know some people they want to get access to it instantly and they can do so by purchasing and you know all the interviews already in a, in a membership site if you are doing a pre-recorded if you are doing live it's a little bit different and you you give them access after you know each uh, mm. recording obviously i really feel your strength from all this has been the relationship building because I don't think you could get Robert Green on your podcast or then get all these people, 88 experts, to appear on a summit without really doing well with relationships. Can you give us a snapshot? Before the branding summit, you said you were making $1,000 a month here and there from some coaching, from selling some things, um, and you've got, I don't know how big your email list was at that point before mm-hmm. the summit. Do you remember? Yeah, it was about 1,000 people. So okay. I've been growing steadily, very, very slow growth, obviously. But yeah. Yeah, so then you, then you go, okay, we're going to roll into this summit. I'm, I know it took you several months to do 88 interviews and get the summit pages set up and get your offer set up. Then you roll into the summit over how many weeks did it, that one go? 10 days, was it? Uh, no, that one was 30 days. I 30 said. days, wow. Yeah, an email every day to my list or even sometimes more emails. But it was, it was a crazy madness in November. <laughs> December of 2014 and after that I really needed like a vacation I bet you did and what was the end result how many more people did you have on your list after that after the summit the results yeah I got about uh, 3,000 people added from this uh, this summit and then uh, 200 sales so about $20,000 in profit and that was just you know amazing even when I got my first sale I was so nervous you know (laughs) Uh, in October, I was speaking to my designer. I was like, man, I, I don't want to get up today. I think this is a whole going to f- uh, fail flat for me or something like this. I've interviewed all these people. And now what if what if I fail? You know, that was that came into my mind. And I was like, shit. But I couldn't I couldn't let the speakers down because I've been telling them for months, you know, I'm going to put this amazing event together and also my audience. So even though I had the doubts in my head and I was maybe t- taking me a little bit longer to get up <laughs> some mornings to do the work, I still did it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember sending this first email only to my own list, sending this out, introducing the summit to them and that it was live to, for them to start signing up. I got like after a minute or something, I got my first sale and then my second and a third. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. This is the first experience of this. And then I was at the gym getting a sale I was at the supermarket getting a sale in the morning. I got a sale. So it was like this ripple effect, and I, I was just amazed. Well, what did you sell? What was the product? Uh, it was the Branding Summit All Access Pass. So it was the recordings of the summit, was some Q&A calls, uh, live Q&A calls. It was you know some other bonuses, like a live event I had bundled in there. Marissa Murgatroyd provided like a, her live message to money live event for people who were part of the summit. So I got some great bonuses you know, bundled up there, but I think people just saw the value of getting 88 interviews. And you know you know me, I do very in-depth style interviews. So it was not just getting a 
you know, a little snapshot of, you know, some actionable advice. It was just, it was really, really in-depth stuff. They got there on the interviews. What was the price of that product? It was $97 initially. And then as I went on during the summit, we can get into that. I raised the price to 147 because I want, you know, I've been following launches. I've been seeing how other people did did their summits, I saw, okay, I got to raise the price to create some urgency there. And that's what I did. And that generated a lot of sales around mid, I think it was mid summit, like around after two weeks or something like that, I raised it to 147. And that generated quite, quite a lot of sales, you know, mm -hmm. overnight, you know, so that was, that was great. So you had about 200 sales of between 99 to 147. So like you uh, said, some, some after two for 197, I raised it after the okay. summit 197, but I haven't done a ton of promotion afterwards. I'm getting, you know, a sale here and there. If I did, if I set up a funnel for it, like in terms of maybe having a few interviews for free in the front end and then, you know, having, you know, the summit all access pass, you know, as a thank you, pretty much similar to the summit itself, but I'm, I'm creating this funnel. Then I would get more sales, especially if I, I'm driving traffic with Facebook ads or, okay. you know, sending people there. Yep. All right. So 20 grand first big success story. That sounds pretty exciting. Uh, what were you yep. thinking next? Like, how do I, how do you, <laughs> how do you cement this and, and keep moving? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting, what happened in the sun during the summit, I didn't have a lot of money or anything like that, you know, right away so it was like in the like when i started getting these sales i was like oh wow I'm, i made already 10 10 grand it was like mid-summit or something like that and i was like ah, i can quit my job i just got this idea <laughs> now it's the time to quit my job from the bank it was draining me and i turned in uh, you know my notification you know to my boss and i said no uh, unfortunately i'm not gonna come to work anymore and she was like seemed very relaxed about it so two weeks later you know uh one day, actually, after my brother's birthday, you know, my brother who passed away, he, I quit November 28th. It was my last day at my job. And I decided also at the same time, pretty much, why do I need to live in Sweden? So I, I already had a trip booked to Thailand with my mom and brother. So, and I, I was going to move there because I had some friends already living in Thailand. So I was like, okay, I can move here. You know, it's pretty cheap, but I didn't really enjoy everything about Thailand. So I went back to Stockholm. It was a snowstorm in, in early you know, January when we came back from this Thailand vacation. And I was like, no, I'm not going to stay here. So right away, I booked a trip to Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. And you know, I've been in Mexico pre for the first three months and I started traveling more. So that was kind of how I left Sweden officially. And <laughs> you know, it has just been a great journey ever since I've been abroad, and I'm have I'm not looking back. I love how how ballsy that is. Oh, I made ten grand. That's it. I'm quitting the job, leaving <laughs> yeah, the country. Well, it's not exactly like that. I mean, I, I, it, you have to like take you know for your listeners or something like that. I didn't have the like some people they have a, a lot of savings and then they quit like hundred thousand dollars or something. I didn't have that. You know, I I had maybe when I started traveling actually. After paying my first, you know, accommodation, all this stuff, I probably had about ten thousand dollars. But I, I did something great, you know, and leveraged the momentum my summit, you know, gave me. And I started just, you know, in January, I didn't really do that much work. I needed a vacation, as I said, after this massive summit. But I did a few things. I had a list of about three thousand five hundred people, and I did a promotion for Ramit uh, Sethi. And I've been I've been building a relationship with some of his uh, you know affiliate manager and interviewing his students in the past and did like a few promotions for for him already in 2014 made a few thousand dollars here and there from his his stuff so I already started like building a relationship my audience they knew a little bit about him but then I promoted him in January and I was like yeah maybe I'll get like a few sales eh, you know but <laughs> but I got 34 sales and I get 800 to 1400 dollars per sale and uh, overall like with my virtual summit mastery uh, sales I launched a pilot program during my summit because my audience started asking me about it all in all in January it, it, you know I generated 40,000 dollars and that was just blew my mind <laughs> right and, I've never been close to that. That's like more than I probably ever made in a year, you know, so <laughs> that was amazing. Okay, so you went from small lists and odd money here and there, doing a summit and making 20 grand from that and, and yeah. four times in your list. And then you sort of say, I need a break, 88 interviews, a month of hard work, time to have a break. Mm -hmm. um, you do, you, you start doing some affiliate marketing, which you sounds like you've done 
before a little bit, already. But. A little bit here and there, but it was not like a main launch. I actually did, you know, I was very strategic with the call with this launch and in January, I actually promoted a few offers in January to my list, but it was because I, I that's also a great way to build a relationship with some people, you know, if, uh, influencers. I helped them out with their products, you know, Marissa Murgatroyd. I helped Danny Inney out a little bit with his launch. and But I, I have always seen that Ramit Sethi's stuff, that really resonates with my audience. And I've also invested $2,000 myself in his program. And, you know, I used that kind of to validate the idea for the branding summit, all this stuff. So it was not just out of thin air. I threw it out there to my audience and, you know, purchased this program. I actually had some results. I also, uh, you know, interviewed his uh, students uh, you know, and feature them on my blog, my mm. podcast. And I had a small list, but, you know, it's not about the size of your email list, really, but rather the engagement and level of trust you build with your audience over time. And that just shows because I I won, you know, the his kind of affiliate competition and got the most sales ahead of John Lee Dumas, Laura Roder, his own brother, even Manish Sethi, John Corker. And there was many people promoted his launch, but I got, you know, mo- most sales. So mm. it was pretty, pretty cool to me to see that a small list can also work. I do. I remember seeing quite a number of your emails and you've always had this combination of the, that the, the beautiful painted picture you put out there, Navid, of, of living in Mexico and traveling around and quitting your job, the story of your own journey with the, uh, the, the lifestyle um, that these products and these courses can help you to get. So I've seen you p- put these promotions out, and I, I have to say I'm very impressed at your conversion rate for such a small list. You, that's what I think really made me go, wow, your engagement, your connection with this small group must be strong. And you've got a list of buyers, which is also very powerful, you know, not just freebie seekers. And I think that's a testament to the power of the summit. You must have attracted a lot of, you know, motivated people onto your community. So we're kind of getting close to the hour mark here, about 10 minutes to go, Navid. So I'd like to kind of push forward a bit to... to, um, kind of where you are today so you did you did this uh, i think i started watching you closely around this time remember when you were doing uh ramit sethi's promotion and then you were traveling around i think later that that was was that last year wasn't it so Mm -hmm. um you know we connected this year so it wasn't too long ago so i know you kept doing more affiliate marketing and you also started to really get involved and basically change your brand from being a branding expert to being a virtual summit expert is that what happened yeah, that's that's right. And also, you know, before that, that all it was like giving me even more credibility. And that that was also part of relationship building I've done. Like my friend Primoz Bosic, he was featured on Business Insider earlier, also in two thousand of this year, two thousand fifteen. And uh, he introduced me to the editor there, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But I that that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have something newsworthy to share, something great to share already. And I was featured on Business Insight right after, you know, this promotion for Ramit and all this. It was kind of leveraging the momentum. And that article, you know, went viral. Right now, I think it has 160,000 views, something like that. And I got... I got it spread all over the world, all over the world, pretty much in Serbia, Croatia, and I got 2,000 email subscribers from this alone in a few days, and a couple of th- a few thousand dollars in business, which was great. And then I was featured again later on, and that article too has like the same amount of views. So. Mm-hmm. Two articles, 300,000 views. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then, you know, I've already started like to have a pilot program at the time and, you know, not being like the personal branding expert or guy. I mean, a virtual summit can help you build your business and brand rapidly. So it's still aligned with that, but it's so much more niche. niche. And uh, during my summit, people started asking me, how did you do this branding summit? I want to do the same because I kind of, I actually had some friends, they were telling me, Navid, you should start teaching this because your audience, they're obviously interested. You know, I threw it out there a little bit during some live hangouts I had during my summit and people bought into this. I offered this a little bonus for my summit initially and then kept raising the price over and over and people bought. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I just launched a product without creating it pretty much. And that's, that's how I did it. So uh, can we maybe just dive in a little bit to what you actually teach now in, in Summit? So if there's a person listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, I'm really inspired by Navid's success with Summits and what that has spilled into, 
I'm going to do a summit for my market, whatever it is. I might be in, you know, skincare. I might be in losing weight. I might be in anger management. I'm going to do a summit around the specialty that I focus on. What do you tell someone new to to do and and to sort of think about to to do a summit? Yeah, the first first thing, you know, and that's kind of, kind of my absolute tip would be to really narrow down your niche, and that's what you talk a lot about. Even when you're starting a blog, whatever you're doing, it's important so you can really, you know target the needs and desires of your audience, super specific. And, you know, for example, instead of creating like a more broad and general like online business summit or online marketing summit, you know, I I would really go more niche and create like a a video marketing summit or, you know, list building or, you know, something specific within that market. What are your clients? What are they doing? Uh, I've seen clients, you know, my clients, one one did uh, an app summit called the Appreneur Summit, the other... You know, Jan did the WP Summit, you know, focusing on WordPress, you know, and my last uh, partner, you know, I partnered up with Chandler Bolt and we did the self-publishing success summit, which was really, really, that turned into something massive, like 25,000 opt-ins and $300,000 in in revenue all in all. So that that was just fantastic. So, and other people, Traffic Generation, All Stars by Anthony Tran, they're doing some different summits and also, even if you're not in the online marketing space, you know, the, the most successful summits I've seen, they're like in the health space or other fields. I've seen scrapbooking summits. I've seen cinematography summits. So it works really pretty much in any market. But my, I would recommend to niche down until it hurts because that will set up your summit for success. And you can resonate more with, uh, you know, your target audience and also the speakers you are having on there. It's easier for them to promote. and You will see your conversion rates go up as well. Speaking of the speakers, so let's say I've decided I'm going to do the ultimate clear my acne summit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do I, I, you know, I've, I've got some experience at it. I'm not known as a super expert at it. I'm kind of like you were before you did your summit. I've got mm-hmm. some experience, but I'm not super famous. Yeah. How do I convince speakers to come on my summit? Yeah, that's a question I get a lot, but it's actually, you know, just to get them on board is usually easier than you may think. But I've actually interviewed some some people for my program. I'm happy to share a little bit what some pe- people say. Why do they say yes? Because obviously <laughs> I, I, I can just speak for myself, but interviewing these people gave me some insights. And they say that having like a great outreach, for example, in your email, you know, you, you've already had a connection before. For example, you reached out to them on social media, had the, you know, so they know a little bit about you. So it's not a cold approach. That can help. Or you get an introduction by a friend to them, you know, to the speaker, that can also help. Or, you know, also having, you know, great design. And that can also help you stand out a lot. You know, if you want speakers to say, you know, say yes right away, I want to be part of this summit, have a great design and, you know, make the make the outreach, you know, professional in terms of how you're, you know, connecting with them. So it's not like you're providing them a contract to sign in the first email. Be very straightforward. It should be very simple in the first one. You know, you you maybe in the first line, you share something about, you know, that you enjoyed following them and maybe some of the results you got and then listing some, uh, you know, influencers you already had commit to being on your summit and then just, you know, would you be up for being part of this summit I'm doing, you know, and then you can get on a call with them, maybe a pre-chat or something like that for 10, 15 minutes if they're up for it. And so that you can tell more, tell them more about your vision. And so they they know what they're in for, you know, what promotional, what the promotional period would look like. This helps with the overall experience and making them super easy for them also to share the summit with their audience. Mm. I have to think back to the, you've interviewed me twice, once for the podcast and once for your summit. And I know the first time, whenever I get someone approaching me for a podcast interview, it's, you do look at their website and go, how serious are they? What, what stage are they at? Have they interviewed lots of other people already? Do they, you know, you know, are, they, are they professional, basically? And you mm-hmm. were clearly that. And I think it was clever, too, because you did something for me in the sense that you interviewed me, giving me exposure. So when it came to actually ask me to participate in your summit, A, I would, of course, say yes, and B, I'm actually really interested in even over-delivering for your audience. So I think, and I I have to say this, I think I've said it twice already, for me, your core strength and and what you maybe want to teach at some stage, Navid, is actually relationships. Because I don't know how you do it, you've name-dropped a lot of people already in this interview. You know, my friend did this summit, and my friend helped me get this 
feature on Business Insider. And, you know, my other friend helped me do design work from WordPress. There's a lot of connections right. going on in your life over mm -hmm. the last two years. And you were a nobody in the space yep. beforehand. So yep. you're very good at opening doors and creating a relationship where we remember you. Maybe it's the long hair and the name. It might tap back into the, <laughs> the same thing we both have used. <laughs> Weird name, long hair. It's a good tactic. Right. <laughs> right. We talked about this, I believe, on the first uh, interview. Like, I, Yeah, I remember that. And that was the initial <laughs> connection we had for my podcast. And then I've also, I've also something I forgot to mention. I, I've been like, I've heard this somewhere, but I, I like to be the champion of making introductions to people. And I think that's one of the best ways to build authentic, powerful relationship with people if you have the opportunity to add value, you know, review their book or something like that. But another way, you know, if you just have some kind of connection and I've been, I was featured on Business Insider. I've been, you know, left and right, you know, if they, they have, if I, my friends have something great to share, I always introduce them to this editor, you know, and, mm. and uh, introduce you know, me. I, yeah. I introduce you, Natalie Sisson and some other people. And they're always thankful for that. And that's also how you build more deeper relationships, you know, not you can provide value yeah. to your friends and other people. Yeah. I think the key is, is delivering value for another person first. I think, uh, sure. I mean, you got me an article on business insider, which has had almost 50,000 views, not quite up there with yours, but it's still pretty darn good. Wow. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that connection. And of course I'm going to say yes to featuring you on my podcast, A, to share your story, but B, because of, you know, the, the, the help you provided for me. So I think that's key. And like I said, there's something, some secret sauce you've got going from the beginning, I think, with your relationship building, Navid. So uh, maybe it's because you focused on branding and, and professionalism, but also focused on helping other people. It, it really worked well for you. Um, can you time, put, put us into perspective of where you are today? What are you working on now and, and where are you living and how, how do you, you know, make your money at the moment? Sure. Um, yeah, I been having a few, you know, at the time of this recording, I just had a few very busy weeks. And that's actually the first time of the year I really zoned in and did, got a lot of work done. It's been a little bit of a struggle really getting all the pieces together, like moving abroad now, living in Cancun. A few months ago, I was, you know, in, in San Diego, Hong Kong. I, you know, I met, I met up with you, Natalie Sisson in San Diego. Even We had the same house there for a little bit. So it was pretty cool. But now I'm, my big focus is that I, you know, just wrapped up a big summit I did with Chandler, you know, the Self-Publishing Success Summit. And it was really great and great case study for my business, obviously, that we were so successful with it. And now I'm focusing my efforts on, you know, launching my program, Virtual Summit Mastery. I already had about 60, 70 students, you know, in my pilot. And a few of those have already put out successful summits. So it's great for my business that I'm getting case studies. And, you know, you live really for, you know, the level of success you can get other people. It's one thing to say that I have success myself doing a summit, but now that I have other people... You know, I just also got featured on Huffington Post and it said really good things about me. So that really helps, obviously, to grow my business. And most of my money is coming from a few income streams, like affiliate marketing, obviously. I do some, like, very selective with who I promote, like Ramit Sethi promoting Natalie Sisson. And some people I connect with that they're sharing good stuff. I, I like to promote their, their stuff. And I've become the number one affiliate for Ramit, Selena, and Natalie, actually. So it kind of works with my audience. I see what's working. And I continue to promote that. So that's one income stream. I do some coaching or partner up for summits. So that brings in quite good money as well. And then obviously now with my launch of, of Virtual Summit Mastery, that's kind of why I'm going into the, you know, creating my own online course. I don't want to be dependent on other people like for affiliate launches. So I want to have my own flagship program which I can send people to and it's a gr good complement to other things I promote. So mm -hmm. it's, I think it's going to be really good for my business overall. And are you going to live in Mexico for the, the short-term future? Mm, I think uh, like for the next couple of months at least because I, I am really good at focusing now and I think if I move to another place, I could do that. I, I've been speaking about maybe moving to Colombia or even in the future going back to the US or Europe. But right now it's great for really focusing. I have you know my swimming pool outside. I can just go swim laps there. I have a gym. I have a great view of the ocean. So it's pretty good for my productivity. So I, I like to be here now. It's close to the US so I can take a trip if I need to go to New York. I was just there not long ago meeting with Ramit Sethi, Primoz Bosic, Selena Su, and some other people for an event there. And it was great, you know, so I'm very close to where, where, where I want to go mm -hmm. without like being in 
in the center and you know having all the distractions you know and like a big city like the, like new york for now so it work, works out great okay so people listening in if they want to do their own summit what's the the website address since it's good timing since you're about to start teaching and, and launching yeah. that I mean, pretty much I have a free cheat sheet that I'm happy to offer to your audience. It's seven steps to create, promote, and profit from your virtual summit to skyrocket your business and brand online. And you can find that over at virtualsummitmastery.com forward slash cheat sheet. So that's the, that's the seven steps cheat sheet I have, to have. And that walks you through pretty much the process. And Chandler Bolt, actually, he, before he hired me to do a summit, he actually, a, he sat down and, you know, wrote out, you know, an outline for his summit based on this cheat sheet. So obviously it really, really works as a proven system. I've been ran, running it through my students, you know, multiple times. So mm -hmm. it's some great value there. And of course, uh, Navid Moazes, do a Google search for that if you can figure out how to spell it or just go to navidmoases.com as well. Navid.me is the simple. Navid.me, okay, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put the links obviously with the show notes so people can find all that. All right, Navid, thank you for breaking down your journey. It's good to see the start to the to present, although I feel like you're only kind of halfway, like you've still got a lot more to do. So I'll be watching everything you do. Thanks, man. I'm so happy being on your show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And yeah, good luck. I, I do look forward to seeing how far uh, you take summits and, and start seeing a lot more of your, your students get out there with some summits too. I have, I have this sneaky suspicion I'm going to get emails in the future from Navid students saying, would you like to be on my summit? So I'm going to blame <laughs> you for all of those. <laughs> right, yeah. And I think you were, you were on one summit recently. I was already at that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cannot blame him. I, I'm, I'm trying to teach him to do great interviews too. So it's yeah. not only about doing the summits, like in, do great interviews and make the speakers look good. Oh yeah, I mean, we could do a, probably a whole whole interview on how to do great interviews because you've done probably and you've done a great job in this I, one. I'm well, we, very we, comfortable <laughs> sharing my journey, and you know, you, you walked me through the process pretty pretty effortlessly. <laughs> yeah, practice, you know that. Yeah. All right, Navi, thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank you for all the listeners for staying with us to the end as well. If you want to get going with virtual summits, Navid's the guy to check out. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you very soon. Thanks, Navid. Phew, well, that was a big interview, but I think it was a very entertaining one. I hope you enjoyed hearing Navid's story. If you'd like to get notified when I release the next EJ podcast interview, go to interviewsclub.com and subscribe to my email newsletter for this podcast. You'll also start getting a series of emails where I send you some of the very best podcast interviews from my archives. So you've always got something to listen to on your smartphone or wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, that's interviewsclub.com. That's it from me. My name is Yara Stark. You can find me by Googling my name, Yaro, Y-A-R-O. And I look forward to speaking to you again on a future podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>